Well, good morning, and welcome to Southfield on this beautifully hot and muggy day. Um, I'm telling you what, I'm getting married on Saturday, and if it doesn't, at least if the humidity doesn't drop by 50%, uh, we may just call it off. <laughs> it's just, I can't, I cannot be seen sweating that much in front of people. Anyway, uh, again, we are, we are going to continue um, in our worship this morning, but we're going to uh, do it a different way. We're going to uh, honor the... Uh, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us by celebrating uh, together in communion. And if you haven't been with us before, we do communion uh, several different ways. Today, we are going to be going to four different stations. So there are stations throughout the room. Sorry, I'm having trouble with this thing. Um, there are four stations throughout the room, two at the front and two at the back. So I'm going to do our scripture reading for the day, and then we're just going to take a moment of silence. There's no, there were no cues missed. Um, it, it's planned, and we, we want that moment of silence after the reading um, for you to just reflect for a minute before um, I leave the stage, uh, then some musical play, and you'll have the opportunity to go, again, to one of these four stations to partake in communion. You can go when you want, um, so it's not like you have to rush or anything like that, um, but we're going to do this together. Today, we are going to be reading from Luke chapter 11, and it's going to be a familiar passage. Uh, we're going to be reading through the Lord's Prayer, so... Again, it's something that you've probably heard time and time and time again. We encourage you to try and focus in during that, during that section and hear it in a different way. I don't know how you can manage to do that, but find that one line in there that maybe you haven't really thought about um, and, and try and, um, again, use that as, a, as your time um, during reflection. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one on the inside says, don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of, fr because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he calls me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. The Bible says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Open doors, opportunities, they're around us all the time. 
In fact, sometimes they're just plain too many. There are lots and lots of opportunities. I find the struggle in life for me is not the, the choice between should I do good or should I do bad, but should I do this good or this good or this good or this good, because there's only so much of me to go around. How do I know which door God wants me to walk through? Because I truly believe God has a plan for my life. He says, I know the plans I have for you, but it doesn't say that I know the plans that he has for me. So how do I know? Well, John Beaker, being an engineer, is going to come and explain it all to us, and by the end, we will have perfect clarity. Everybody will know for certain what God's will is for their life. John is going to do a great job today presenting the concept of open doors. And um, if you would do this uh, for me and for them, as God brings the Beaker family to mind in the coming month, because he does that, the Spirit will bump us sometimes and say, hey, remember this person. Pray for this person. So you want to be praying for the Beakers because this is the summer that one of the first four little baby Beakers are going to try jumping off the nest and see if their wings work. And I remember when our oldest did that, and quite honestly, how depressed I was for a couple of months as I went through this adjustment of the empty hole at the dinner table and the, you know, the empty bedroom and all that sort of stuff. So I don't want to get them all depressed before he starts to speak. But just keep them uh, in your thoughts and in your prayers as their daughter walks through her own open door and they get the opportunity of helping her walk through that door together. So go ahead and welcome John right now. Thanks. What well, all begins with E equals MC squared. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just, it's a joke. Wow. Tough crowd. Okay. Now, I uh, wanted to just say we as a group of leaders at the church do appreciate uh, the opportunity that is afforded by the church over the course of the summer uh, to spell Pastor Dennis uh, and take this time. We appreciate the opportunity that you as a church give to us to grow in our ability to do this. Uh, and I know that Pastor Dennis, is, he is phenomenal at communicating God's word to us in a way that we can understand. And it is helpful to him to have the time uh, to, to prep for the next year and, and so on. So uh, just a big thank you to the church for that, uh, for this opportunity. So a number of years ago, I found myself working for a firm that had met with some difficult times. Uh, it was obvious to many of us working at the company that the company would be forced to make some painful and difficult decisions because the money was not coming in the way that it once had. And going to work was a chore because morale was low and tensions were high. And day after day, week after week, we found ourselves just dreading going into the office. So I decided to take matters into my own hands and formally request a transfer from the department that I was working in into another department, which I perceived to be greener and safer pastures. By all accounts, it seemed to be the right thing to do. But immediately after starting the process, I found myself sitting in an office, having a meeting with a senior director who was telling me that all such requests were being denied out of hand, just denied. Not only had my request been rejected, but now it was patently obvious to this senior director as well as others that I was trying to move from his department somewhere else. Now, once you do that, 
you put yourself in a vulnerable situation. Is the senior director going to be more likely or less likely to add your name to a certain list once he finds out that you're trying to go? Much more likely. So I was feeling uh, very vulnerable. I was feeling uh, shocked, disappointed, and worse, now I felt trapped. There's nothing that I could do. Well, weeks before all this took place, the company had instituted a mentoring program. And I was assigned to mentor someone, uh, one of my colleagues, a younger colleague. And I'd like to be able to tell you that I embraced that task with great enthusiasm and excitement, but I absolutely did not. I flat out didn't want to do it. I had a horrible attitude about it, and it showed. But after the door to transferring out had been closed, uh, I began to take the challenge a little bit more seriously. And I discovered something. I discovered that the individual that I had been assigned to mentor had an incredible and an insatiable desire to hear about God and his word and his story and ultimately his son, Jesus. I began talking more and more about God, and this work-instituted mentoring program became a full-fledged discipleship opportunity. A door had opened. Up until this point, I had shut myself off to it because of my selfish and self-centered attitude. I was so wrapped up in my best interests and what I thought was best for me that I was completely blind to the open door that God had put there. But it was there. The timing of everything made it incredibly clear that God was the one who was behind it. Within a few short weeks of establishing a regular routine of reading and discussing God's word, the transfer ban was all of a sudden lifted. And I was able to move to a different department, all the while maintaining a solid discipleship relationship with a new friend. God opened a door of opportunity. And he was gracious enough to prevent me from getting what I wanted so that I could see the door. And when I finally saw it and realized what God was doing, I had the sense to walk through it. The result was that I got to be used by God in a way that I never even dreamed of a few short weeks before. The sense of fulfillment and purpose that I enjoyed at that time was amazing. And it's something that I want to experience again and again in my life. It's something that God wants his people to experience again and again as well. Early on in the book of Revelation, uh, we read a passage of scripture. We find the resurrected Jesus in heaven dictating a set of seven letters to seven churches in seven cities. And these letters give a unique message for each church based on what they were doing and how they were fulfilling or not fulfilling Jesus' mission. One of the letters was to the church in Philadelphia, which is a city in Asia, not the home of the Eagles, 76ers, Flyers, and uh, uh, whatever, the other team in eastern Pennsylvania, you know. (laughs) That city is also named Philadelphia, but that's not who the letter was to. To this particular church, Philadelphia in Asia, Jesus says this. He says, this is a message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things that you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you have obeyed my word and did not deny me. 
The first thing that we observe in this passage is that when God opens something, it's open. And when he closes something, it's closed. I'm reminded of uh, early in Genesis, the passage about Noah and his ark. When God put Noah and his family, when they entered the ark and God shut the door, it was shut. Nobody could open it. Noah and his family were safe inside. No one could open that door. I'm also reminded of a passage in Acts 14 where Paul goes to the church in Syria to report that God had opened a door for him uh, to teach the non-Jews about how to have a relationship with God. God had opened the door of faith to Jews and non-Jews alike, also called Gentiles. When God opened that door, nobody could shut it. It was open. The passage goes on to say that God opened a door for the church that no one could close, a door, an opportunity, a chance to do something unanticipated and unexpected. And God acknowledges right up front that the church had little strength. But that didn't matter because God wasn't asking them to open the door. God was the one who opened the door himself. They didn't have to do it because he had already done it. All they had to do was walk through it. Now, the church in Philadelphia wasn't the only group of people that God opened a door to. There are other references to doors and open doors throughout the New Testament. First and foremost, Jesus himself told his followers that he is the gate, or he is the door through which we can be saved. Jesus himself is an open door. He's an invitation into a relationship with God. In fact, you might say that Jesus is the open door. Because without a loving relationship with him, no other open door from God is even open or available to us. Later on in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul concludes his letter to that church describing an open door uh, that God had opened for him. He writes to them uh, that he wants to come and stay. I want to come and stay for a while if the Lord will let me. But in the meantime, I will be staying here at Ephesus, that's where he was, Until the festival of Pentecost, there is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. Now, Paul is a human being, just like you and I. And he was somehow able to know and understand that God had opened a door of opportunity for him to do a great work in Ephesus. And we might ask, well, how did he know that? How did he know that God didn't want him to go on to the next city? How did he know that God wanted him to stay there in Ephesus? Well, in 2 Corinthians, Paul makes a a similar statement about the city of Troas, writing, when I came to the city of Troas to preach the good news of Christ, the Lord, again, opened a door of opportunity for me. And we kind of wish we could sit Paul down and ask him, well, what did the open door look like? What gave you the courage to step through it? And what happened when you did? And while these are interesting questions, we have a passing interest in what happened to Paul, the more pressing questions our question on our minds might be, what about us? Are we supposed to be able to recognize open doors that God places before us? Well, Ephesians 2.10 answers that question with a resounding yes. Paul writes that we're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, when we're saved by God's grace through the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins, that's the start of the journey. Our journey is just beginning. The process of discovering our exact wiring 
and the things that God has for us to do is an exciting journey that gives us a clear sense of both purpose and meaning. So what exactly is an open door? Well, sometimes it helps to understand what a thing is by understanding what that thing is not. Paul does this in 1 Corinthians 13 when he's talking about love. He writes that love is not easily angered, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, and it gives us a sense, a little bit, of what love is by understanding what it isn't. We can do the same thing with open doors. What, what is an open door not? Well, one thing that an open door is not is just every simple, single choice that we're confronted with in our daily lives. And when I come to a fork in the road, should I turn left or right? When I get up in the morning, should I have tea or coffee? When I go to the restaurant, should I have chicken or steak? It's not like there's a voice from heaven echoing down, you should have the chicken. It doesn't work that way. God has given us a brain. He's given us free will. And he expects us to use those tools, use those gifts in a responsible way. Uh, in a responsible way. So if you prefer the steak, go for it. If you want the chicken, fine. These are not open doors. These are just basic, simple decisions that we, we come through in our everyday lives. An open door is also not simply any opportunity that comes with risk. Deciding how you invest your money, for example, is not an open door. You can choose to invest your money in Apple or Coca-Cola, and that stock may go up or it may go down. You may make money or you may lose money because there's risk involved. But the presence of risk by itself does not necessarily say this is an open door. Those of us who thrive on challenges and change might be tempted to see every single risky opportunity that comes our way as an open door from God. We may see a sign in the road that says, earn $100,000 a year, counting shells on the beaches of Waikiki. And we're ready to go, right? This must be an open door from God, right? Well, whether or not that ad uh, is true or false definitely involves risk, definitely involves change, but it does not necessarily mean that it's an open door given by God. You see, open doors of opportunity by God definitely involve risk, but not every opportunity that involves risk is an open door. Finally, open doors of opportunity that God gives never, ever contradict God's moral will for our lives. God has defined morality through his word, and we do not have the freedom to challenge, amend, alter, modify, compromise, or otherwise argue with God about morality. God has clearly defined right and wrong, and ever since Eve took that first bite of the fruit, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, we have a knowledge of it too. God says stealing is wrong. That means taking office supplies from work is not an open door of opportunity for you. Cheating on your taxes, not an open door of opportunity. Shoplifting, whether it's a stick of gum or a smartphone, not an open door of opportunity. God will never, ever give us an open door of opportunity that conflicts with his moral will for our lives. Open doors of opportunity are always 100% consistent with God's word, the Bible. An open door is an opportunity to do something meaningful, worthwhile, and of great significance with God. John Ortberg in his book writes, an open door isn't a phrase to describe just any opportunity. An open door is an opportunity provided by God to act with God 
and for God. You see, the opportunity originates with God, serves God's purposes, and accomplishes God's plan. God is the one who gives the opportunity. An open door is not mere happenstance or fate. It's an invitation to join God on an adventure. And you're generally not given all the details of how it will work out and where it will go. The one guarantee we have, the one thing that we can hang our hat on, is that when we go through that open door, he will go through with us. He will be there with us. Now, over the past few weeks, we've seen evidence of countless open doors that God has provided to Southfield to minister to the community that we've been planted in. God gave us the open door of this piece of property to serve on. God opened a door that no one could shut. Through countless hours of preparation, blood, sweat, and tears of the people of this church, God gave us the open door of ministering to over 100 kids for, for a week for the expressed purpose of teaching them about who he is. God opened a door that no one could shut. Open doors always point people back to Christ, and this one was no different. As children ran all over our property and got to see what the love of Christ looks like, hear what the love of Christ sounds like, and feel what the love of Christ feels like as they were served by people who loved them, because those people themselves had received incredible grace and forgiveness from God through Jesus. God had opened a door in Shanahan, Illinois, that no one could shut, I think that sometimes we're tempted to think that we're only given open doors or opportunities like this on rare occasion to do something with God and for God. But I'd like to submit the the activities of Southfield over the past year as evidence to the contrary. Quest Day Camp, Green Lake Missions Trip, Junior High Mentoring, Journey Group, Men's Thursday Morning One Hour Group, Worship Unleashed, Rethink Christmas, all of these, these are just a few examples All of these are open doors that God has opened for us that no one could shut. Southfield, we have gone through an unprecedented season of open door opportunities that we have run through. I love that about this church. It's compelling. It's inviting. It's invigorating. My prayer and the prayer of the leaders of this church is that we will continue to be a church that not only looks for open doors of opportunity that God gives us, but that we will continue to run through them as we've done this past year. However, we cannot continue to be a church that embraces running through open doors of opportunity if we are not made up of individuals and families who embrace running through open doors of opportunity that God gives. One final note on the nature of an open door. Not every open door has the words day camp or green lake tattooed on it. In fact, most don't. As I was considering what open doors God might have for me, my mind immediately went to the big, the bold, and the outrageous as opposed to the simple, and obvious opportunities that God has placed right in front of my face. We need to be cautious of only seeing a big event as an open door. Most open doors don't come with a big event attached to them. Many of them look like opportunities to speak up for Christ when we're afraid to say anything at all. Many of them take the form of a simple conversation we feel that God is prompting us to have with someone else, whether it's a family member, a friend, or a neighbor. Some of them 
take the form of seeing something that needs to be done and just doing it for no other reason than that you love Jesus and you want to emulate him. So how do we learn how to, op- how to identify what an open door looks like? Well, if we're going to start hunting for open doors, we're going to have to learn how to try a few handles. Searching for open doors is not a passive activity. You actually have to reach out your hand and give the door handle a good shake to figure out if the door is open or locked. Now, the Old Testament is full of stories of people who were good at door handle wiggling. We read about one such person in the book of Genesis, and his name was Abram. God later changed his name to Abraham, but we're introduced to him in Genesis 12 as just Abram. And in Genesis 12:1, we read that God had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. God goes on to promise Abram that he, if he walks through this particular open door, that he will make him into a great, a great nation, the nation that ultimately becomes Israel. Now, the Bible does not tell us how God got this message through to Abram, only that the delivery of the message was in the past tense. God had said to Abram, go. And what did Abram do? Once he got the message, what did he, what did he do? Verse 4 goes on to say that Abram departed just as the Lord had instructed. He didn't wait around. He didn't ask a hundred friends what they thought. He wiggled the door handle to see if it was open or closed. He started to act based on what he knew about God and what he clearly understood God wanted him to do. So how can we be like Abram? How can we start seeing open doors and trying handles of our own? Let me give you a few ideas to start with today as we'll continue to unpack this throughout the summer. As we mentioned earlier, it starts with a relationship with Christ. As we told our Quest campers last week, admitting we've done wrong, believing in Jesus as God's Son, and choosing Jesus as our forgiver and leader is a prerequisite for any sort of open doors that we're going to go through. It's a prerequisite to any sort of open door handle checking that we might do. Once we've done that, we need, to, we need to ask. Once the relationship is established, we ask God, what open doors might you have for me? Where should I be looking? Dear God, show me what you want me to do because I'm ready to follow and obey you. He's the one that opens the door. We might as well ask him to show us where that door is. And then if we're going to ask, we should probably follow that up by listening. Listening actively. Listening involves paying attention to what's going on around us. Seeing what circumstances grab our attention. What issues get us excited. What we're passionate about. It may involve starting a conversation with a trusted spiritual friend and asking them to pray for you and with you as you try to discover what open doors God has put in front of you. One really key thing that helps us is when God continues to bring someone or something to our mind over and over again. We should pay attention to that because that may be a good indication of an open door that God has put in front of us. So once we've asked, God, show me what open doors you've you've put in front of me, and we listen actively, then we need to take a step. We need to initiate a conversation with that person that God has put on our heart. 
We accept a scary invitation to do something that we haven't done before to serve other people. We ask questions to get more information about how to walk through a particular open door. What we don't do is simply gaze at the grandeur of the open door and look at it and not move. Abram didn't wait a year to move. He took a step. This step sounds so trite and so easy, but it's one that I get tripped up on all the time. Asking God, show me the open doors, not hard. Listening to God and watching what he's doing around me. Also, we we can do that and, and get a sense for what God wants us to do. But it's the actual moving and taking a step uh, that can be the thing that paralyzes us. Open doors are opportunities that are there to be seized, not simply admired. Think back to Abram. Can you imagine the guts it took for this guy uh, to leave everything he knew, everyone he knew, and go to a place that God didn't even tell him where it was or what it was? What courage, what a noble act to go with very limited information, or in his case, with no information at all. He knew zero details, but Abram went. He took a step. What about us? Are we open-door admirers, or are we, peop- are we goers like Abram, people who run through open doors when we recognize them for what they are? Divine appointments to serve God. A huge part of taking a second step is taking a first step. When my kids were little, they were great crawlers. They were fantastic. But Susan and I had great aspirations for them. We, we, had, we had high hopes that they would be able to walk before puberty. That, that was it. If, if we could get them to that point, we knew that we would have been successful as parents. And so we would stand them up, and they would take a step, and they would fall. We'd stand them up again. They'd take another step. They'd fall again. And over and over, this, this played out. Two steps, though, turned into three. And three turned into four. And at this point, now all four of my children can take at least five steps without falling down. It, it's remarkable. Learning how to go through open doors is just like learning how to walk. Um, we need to be faithful in what appear to be small things to our eyes. You know, sometimes we want to go for the big and the grandiose, but we're not ready for the big and the grandiose if we're not ready to do the small and the, what seems to be insignificant. You see, open doors may seem to be small in our eyes, but God who has the larger perspective uh, doesn't open small doors. Every door of opportunity that God gives has one thing in common. It is designed to be walked through. Weeding an area of the Southfield parking lot, seeming like a small thing, communicates that we care about the appearance of the property that God has given us. That care and concern speak to everyone who walk through the doors of, of this church on a Sunday morning. Giving a three-year-old an animal cracker in Southfield Little Kids when they're hungry while mom and dad are in the service communicates value both to that toddler and to mom and dad. It's an open door. Setting up chairs on a Sunday morning before anybody else gets here so that the room is ready for us to worship communicates, the value, communicates value to every single person here. It says, you're worth my time and my effort because there is a God who loves you the same way that he loves me. First steps lead to second steps, lead to more steps. 
It's not the trying and the failing that's a problem. It's the never trying at all that's the enemy of becoming an open-door person. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and, and seeing this, okay, I, I ask, I listen, I take a first step, I got that. But what do I do if I feel like I know there was something that God wanted me to do? There was an open door at one point, at a, at a season in my life, that he wanted me to go through, and I didn't. Is there anything left for me? I mean, if I, if I knew there was an open door I was supposed to go through, did I miss out? Is it over? Are there no more open doors for me? Well, if you're feeling that way, you need to go back and you need to watch the end of the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship that happened this last March. Yes. <laughs> you have to watch it. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. That was Villanova's Chris Jenkins. Here's what you need to know. Prior to that shot, where pandemonium broke out, Jenkins missed a critical free throw. With about six minutes, six minutes to go in the game, Jenkins missed the front end of a one and one He had an opportunity to score two points for his team, and he missed the first free throw and gave North Carolina a chance to tie the game, which they did. Jenkins was the GOAT. Jenkins missed the opportunity. Jenkins did not take another shot until 0.6 seconds to go in the game. And that shot was the difference between going into overtime, between blowing it all and being the GOAT, and being the hero. The place went up for grabs. Can you imagine what the scene in heaven looks like when we take a simple step of obedience to God and we willingly take risks for him by walking through open doors of opportunity? Do you think it's any less raucous than that? I don't. I think that the scene in heaven looks crazier than that. Jesus said that there is more joy in heaven over one person who turns and repents and follows him than over 99 righteous people that are, just, that are simply going along. You see, every step through an open door is, is an opportunity to do something amazing with God and for God. So what's the point? Well, it's simple. If you're not dead, it's not over. You may have had an open door that you missed. I know I have. And that can be paralyzing. But if there's 0.6 seconds left on the clock, your presence can still make a difference, even if you've messed up before. You may have missed open doors. But, you know, we can't let our past dictate what our future response to God is going to be. Paul makes this very clear. He writes, to, he writes no brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Achieved what? Perfection. I haven't achieved that yet. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting what is past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. As long as we have breath in our lungs and blood coursing through our veins, the story is not over. Can we learn to leave the past in the past for the purpose of not missing any open doors that God has available to us in the present? 
I believe that that is exactly what God is calling us to do. Let's talk to him. God, open doors are wonderful. They are amazing. They are designed by you. And you give us people an opportunity to join with you in what you're doing. That, what an incredible privilege. What an incredible honor. What an incredible sense of purpose and meaning uh, you give to us. I pray that you would help us to be people who are courageous. Oh God, show us the open doors individually and as a church that you would have us walk through. Give us courage. Give us wisdom to understand and help us to take a step. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, John. Great teaching. Really good. I'm sitting listening. Yeah, I agree. Go for it. I really appreciate having reinforced that open doors can be incredibly ordinary. I think too often we're into hype and sensational. We want to be big and huge and famous. Everybody know it. And so often open doors are something no one else knows. So I really appreciate that piece. And one thing John mentioned that I just want to drive home, you know, when, when the Apostle Paul is talking about open doors in the, in the epistles, very often he says to other pray, people, pray for me, that God will grant an open door for the gospel. Pray for me as I walk through this open door. We need other people that join us in that process of prayer. And I think sometimes we have a, we have a tendency to not tell other people because we know what we want to do, but we don't want to know if that's really what God wants us to do. We, we have a great plan, and we're afraid to let someone else in on that. We need other people in the discernment process that help us to affirm, yeah, this is the door that God is calling me through. So you have a door right now. It's called an offering. Our servers are coming right now and ready to receive the offering for the day couple things for you. So you walked in today, you got uh, what we would normally call the folder, but it wasn't folded. So I guess we'll start calling it the Sunday paper. It just seems appropriate. If you didn't read your Sunday paper today, well, you have one now. One of the things you notice on that Sunday paper that's really important, and this will be here for a couple weeks for you, just some of the modifications to the summer schedule. Uh, summer gets a little bit different with you know youth group and all kinds of different things taking different bends and turns in the schedule. So uh, if you have kids involved in something or you're involved in something, look through that. Make sure you know if something's canceled or moved, postponed, etc. So reinforce for us again what's going on with Refuge and Revive in particular. So Revive today, uh, we are on from noon to two. We were going to do Water Wars this week, but again, I am just such a baby with humidity and heat that we are just, we're going to stay in the nice cool air. Um, so again, um, we, we have that relaxed start, so go ahead, grab some food. Uh, if you're a high schooler, grab some food before, um, in between second service and the start of group, and come on back and hang out with us uh, until two. And the, then we are going to be off, Revive will be off for two weeks, and Refuge will be off for three, partially because I won't be in the country um, and then we, um, once I get back, we're actually taking a, a leader trip uh, to kind of just get ready for the coming year. So uh, we've got a little bit of time off to, to prep for that, um, but a lot of good stuff coming. Good deal. Very good. So uh, by, by grab some food, you mean they have to go buy it? Yeah, yeah, go buy it. Okay, it's not sitting out here waiting. Good. Just want to check, you know, nice to know. Um, 
I want to I want to encourage you sometime this summer, next couple of weeks, to get over and take a peek at the website. Uh, it's a great place to be driven to to just look at opportunities, open doors that are there. One of the pages you'll notice is uh, on the podcast. You'll see the list of who's teaching and what the teaching topics are that are coming up. We shifted it a little bit last week because we did the camp week, you know, so so some of the topics and, and uh, names as far as teaching have changed a little bit. But I am excited next week. Uh, ben Mott will be here, president of Greenlight Conference Center, so I know he'll be coming in part to just say thanks to our church for the role we played in that ministry. But I, I know that you will really enjoy his teaching uh, Beaker spent this past week with uh, at Green Lake and spent some time with Ben, so they were able to collaborate a little bit and make sure that these uh, messages coming up were well, well coordinated. So, before we get to what's happening in your life, there's um, there are a few people that I want to acknowledge publicly with regard to camp, and um, there are people who walk through open doors, and I don't even know that they necessarily saw them as open doors, and they played huge roles, absolutely huge roles. And I'll bet they don't even realize how big they were. Um, when our leaders show up on a morning, they tend to bring their own children, which, you know, we want their kids at camp. That's important. But we don't want their kids in the leader meeting. And so God, we, what we did is brought their kids in here. And Judy Stroman and Darlene Chubaya sat with our kids while the meeting was going on. That is just, and they did that every day. And you know what was really cool? They did it smiling. I, I, I didn't see them like, you know, <laughs> pulling their hair out. In fact, if you'd have seen my hair that week after the golf cart rides, you'd have thought I was the one watching the kids. But So I just want to say thank you again for that. That was, that was a huge open door that you walked through uh, to support those leaders. And uh, again, something that in, in a real sense is very ordinary, and yet truly extraordinary in the eyes of God and in our eyes as well. And then the other, the other thank you that I want to put out there uh, that was just really incredible. So we have, we have like the best neighbors a church could ever have, ever, ever, ever. Um, just prior, yeah, go ahead and do that, and then I'm going to tell you. So just prior to camp, uh, we, you know, we did our typical ask about, Don, would you mind if we parked over here? It's like, ah, park wherever you want. Do whatever you want. Go ahead. Do it, do it, do it. And then Kim comes over and says, by the way, can we operate like three quarters of camp over at your property too? Sure, go ahead. So, you know, the Konjovich yard had Zorb balls going down and archery at the other end and a crazy golf cart driving up the driveway and kids sitting under trees during their lessons and, and, um, I don't know if you want somebody, you know, like 100 kids coming and invading your yard. You probably don't. Don let us invade his yard, and uh, that just deserves an absolute huge thanks. So please thank him for us. That is really huge. So it is my understanding you are walking through an open door in six days. We're, we're to that point now that everything's like, you can go to that next picture, by the way. I love this picture, but... Um, yeah, we're, we're to that point that it's like, oh my word, a week from now we'll be eating the rehearsal dinner. Oh my word, a week from now we'll be sitting at the reception. Oh my word, you know, we've been there. So a week from now, you won't be at church. Yeah, I, I won't. And we're not even going to like dock your pay or anything. Wow. So you, you get to come, Thanks. you get to be gone and, and have a great time on your honeymoon. That's kind but... of funny, we're actually setting up, the, we're setting up the stage for it today and uh, I mean, we're going to be getting married in a 
an open door. So hey, very cool. How, how appropriate. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll leave it up there afterward. Right. But yeah. very cool. So um, again, we just we want all of you to know, and I, I think it's in the folder today. Again, I'm not really sure, but that you are all invited to come and be a part of that day. We want you there. Uh, Brian would really love that, that you would come and join us. And the thing that would be helpful, I know it sounds kind of crazy, if you'd email us and let us know you plan on coming, uh, either Kim at SouthfieldChurch.com, uh, that, that's probably the easiest way to do this, but just nice to know how many chairs we need to set up or rent. So anyway, um, we're, we're excited for you. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray specifically for you right now, all right? Would you stand with me as we pray? God, this coming week is a big, big week for Brian and Riley. One that you knew about before you created the world. In your eyes, there was this just amazing guy and fantastic girl. And you brought them together uh, at a university where they had the opportunity to get to know each other, get to know each other more deeply, and to eventually be able to say, I think we're ready to spend the rest of our lives together, loving each other and serving you, God. I pray that this would be a week that would be incredibly memorable, um, one in which as obstacles arise, because they always do, those obstacles would lead to a, a growth in character and, and just people coming through in ways that, that bring a smile to faces. Lord God, I thank you so much for the beauty of marriage, for the opportunity to display to the world what it means to be the bride of Christ. And so I pray that um, as we get the opportunity to witness this happening between these two people this week, that once again, the message of who you are would be conveyed so absolutely clearly and beautifully. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you got to walk through a door to leave, so it's wide open. Go for it. <laughs>